So good to see you all this morning. Everybody doing okay? Good. I know that a lot of you in this room are dealing with heavy stuff in your life right now, and we're definitely going to speak into that from the Word of God this morning. We've sung about God's goodness and His faithfulness, and we're going to talk so much about that. Uh, But I think it's worth celebrating a couple things that are happening in and through our church, and we just think that it's it's very, very exciting. Last Sunday, we had our membership class, as we do several times throughout the year, and we had 26 people that were a part of that that said yes to being a part of our church as members. Is that not exciting and incredible? Amen. That's because of all of you loving on. They are going to get in a tank of water right back here in public, and they're going to get wet. It's kind of strange, but it's really, really cool because here's what happens. When they're here, you're going to see them go down and underneath the water. You're going to see the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. You're also going to see their death to sin and their new life in Christ. And this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And maybe you've placed your faith in Jesus and you've never gone public with your faith through baptism. The Word of God encourages us, tells us to follow Jesus in baptism. So maybe you've been thinking about that or wondering what that's all about. We'd love for you to be a part of that next Sunday on Baptism Sunday. Well, we are coming to the close of this series called Journeys in uh, the Book of Acts. And today I've entitled this sermon, Finally. And maybe some of you, that's what you're saying now that we're finally through the Book of Acts. right? You're like, finally, right? Um, We've really breezed through the Book of Acts in a hurry. We've spent uh, three uh, different times in the Book of Acts throughout this year. But it's just been absolutely exciting. And today we're going to talk about this idea of finally. Um, You've probably taken some pretty fun trips this summer. You've probably told a lot of stories and had a lot of fun. Don't know what your favorite trip was this summer. Uh, It seems like a lot of travel happens during the summer. We love to travel, or better yet, we love to get there, right? We love to get there because inevitably, when we're on one of those trips, we're on that plane or we're on that train or that automobile, right, somebody in the group has to ask the question, right? You know what the question is, right? Some of you say it. Some of you hear it often. Some of you are sick of hearing it. And that question is this, what? Are we there yet, right? Some of you ask that like you really felt that, like, right? Whether, again, we're driving or flying, we just kind of get impatient. and We want to be there. We want to get there. And we wonder if it's ever going to happen. Why do we ask this question? Because we want To get there. Maybe some of you, you are in a season of life right now, and that's your question. Are we there yet? Are we done yet? Is this about over? Are we going to make it? Are we going to come through on the other side? Um, We don't enjoy waiting very much, do we? I mean, think about Disney World. What do you not like about Disney World? Waiting in lines, right? What do you not like about the doctor's office? waiting, right? And then seeing the doctor too, right? But waiting. Like, why all the waiting? I know we got a couple doctors in the house. I just want to publicly pose the question to you. Why all the waiting at your office? I don't know that they like me asking that out loud. But anyway, I don't get it. Maybe your question when you come on Sunday morning is, is he done yet, right? Like, maybe that's your question. We struggle with waiting, don't we? We love the anticipation and we love getting there, but we don't like the waiting. We don't like the waiting. Look at Acts chapter 27 and verse number 1. And as we think about waiting and we think about getting there and we think about things finally working out and finally coming through, 
Oh, man, this story in Acts just definitely um, epitomizes that. Acts chapter 21, 27, excuse me, Acts chapter 27, the next to last chapter in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 27 and verse number 1. I'm going to read part of that first verse. And it says, when the time came, we set sail for Italy. So Paul has been on this journey going around the world. He's literally traveled over 8,000 miles Traveling the world, sharing the gospel, doing amazing things. He had a team with him at this point, Luke, who is writing this um, book to us to record all of this. Is a part of this at the time. And he says, when the time came, finally it's here. We're getting to go where we had hoped to go. Rome was the place where Paul had longed to go. He longed to see the believers there. He longed to witness the gospel there and see what God was doing and share the gospel there so that the center of the world at the time, Rome, which ran the world, they ruled and they reigned so that the gospel could go forth faster. And he had waited and he had tried and it didn't work. He had waited and tried and it didn't work. And finally, the time came. Have you ever been waiting for something a long, long time and word gets to you or everything opens up and you're like, ah, finally. The time has come. We're going to get, and then somebody comes over the announcement speaker and says, there's been a delay. There's been a delay. You ever have one of those moments? And maybe there wasn't a speaker, but you could hear it in your head. There's been a delay. There's been a delay. Right? You thought, oh, and then, because when you read Acts chapter 27, verse number one, you're like, oh, we're there. But as we continue to read, we're going to realize Paul isn't there yet. He's been waiting for years for this. And now, from this moment that the time came, he's going to have to wait about another four months. Four months. So he's waited. Time has come. But we get to wait again. So again, Paul had been waiting for years to make it to Rome. And maybe you're asking this question right now in this way. And maybe you're going through a difficulty in life and you're literally asking, are, are we going to make it? Are we going to survive? Maybe you've got sickness right now in your life or in your family and your question is, will I survive this? Maybe you're in a struggle in a relationship or an issue in life and your question is, when will this be over? Maybe you're even saying, is God going to come through? And maybe, just maybe, you're wondering and asking yourself and maybe even posing it to God as to whether or not he is faithful. God, are you faithful right now? Are you going to come through for me? Well, again, some of you are waiting. I want to encourage you a little bit. If your waiting is not over, there are a lot of people that understand your waiting, and Paul understood it because, again, the time has come, but yet he's got to wait another few months. Drop down to 27, chapter 27, verse number 7. Verse number 7. It says, we had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared, I don't really know how to say this one, so I'm going for it. This is the just joy of preaching, all these weird names of places and people. So I'm going to say Sidus. You may pronounce it differently. That's what I'm going with. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island past the Cape of 
Salome. Now, um, this may sound exciting because like Mediterranean cruises today are really, really popular and for good reason. It's beautiful, but not a couple thousand years ago when you're sailing with a bunch of stinky people on a stinky ship and the weather's not getting good. It goes on. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lasia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Verse 10, men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Now, if you're a believer and you read much about the Word of God and you lean into who God is, if you're here and now hearing this story, who are you going with? Are you going with Paul right now and saying, let's hold up? Or are you going with the guy who normally floats the boat? Which one are you going with? I'm going with Paul. I'm going to be like, I don't know, but let's, let's, he's been right a lot here lately. Let's go with him. But they choose to go with the guy with all the sailing experience and they make that choice. Sometimes in life we think, oh, we can do this. We can push through. I can fix this, right? I can make this right. I can change this. I can get everything the way it ought to be. And so sometimes um, arrogantly, blindly, maybe sometimes it's our naiveness, but we push ahead and we go just like these guys did. About 10 years ago, um, our family, which was me, my wife Terry, and our son Cade, we had one on the way at the time, we moved to the state of Washington about 10 years ago, and we landed out there, we got out there in late September, and uh, the rest of our team, Derek and Alyssa, uh, Thomas were going to join us soon, and Derek and Alyssa had not yet determined when they were going to travel out to Washington State to join us. And so it was getting into October, and I got on the phone with Derek, and I said, hey, man, you guys kind of need to get your timeline figured out because, like, winter's coming, you know? Like, it gets, gets bad in the north, and you got to travel across all these passes and all this kind of stuff, so you need to be figuring this out and, and see if we can get on up here or you go, you're going to be stuck. And he said, well, um, I talked to my dad about it, and we decided that, you know, up there they're prepared for this kind of stuff, and so we figured it's no big deal, and so we're going to work on the date, and I'll get back to you, but we're not really worried about winter. And I said... <clears throat> What? He said, oh, yeah, they got equipment, everything. I said, let me tell you how they're prepared in the great northwest when a winter storm comes through. I think I got a picture that's coming on the screen for you. Here it is. Road closed. Seriously, they just shut down the roads, especially the passes, like no pass. Like, doesn't matter how much equipment you have. It doesn't matter. There's that much snow. There's that much grade. And I'm like, you guys need to get on it, and you need to come on. Now, we came out in September. It was gorgeous. I mean, it was a beautiful drive. The weather was perfect, like 75 degrees the whole way. We stopped and saw the sights. It was absolutely beautiful. But if you wait just a few more months when the weather turns, man, things get ugly fast and can get very, very dangerous. And that's what's happening with them on this ship. They thought, oh, we'll make it. But the weather was turning, and it wasn't going to be pretty at all. Look now at verse number 13. It says, when a, light began, uh, excuse me, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. All right, here's our hope. We're going to do it. So they pulled up, an anchor, pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, 
and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. Some of you can know a guy named Jason Talent. He used to be the pastor here. He lives in the Boston area. They don't call them northeasters up there. They call them nor'easters, and they say it with a weird accent. And I'll never forget when we got um, like an update from him on email of what was going on. The weather was the big concern. They were having a nor'easter. I think we got a picture coming on the screen of what a nor'easter can look like on the shore. This is not, and, and it's freezing, by the way. It's freezing. And these guys are about to go through a nor'easter on this old rickety ship. So here they go in this nor'easter. You can imagine how rough the seas were, how cold it must have been, how miserable and scary it must have been. I mean, I just think about the people on the ship, I think it's like 276 people on the ship. When's the last time they had a bath? Where do you go to the bathroom on that ship? Are you with me? Are you on the ship now? It's cold. It's stormy. It's scary. People stink. People are upset. There aren't, you know, sweets to go to and tuck yourself away and be comfortable for a few minutes. Things are really, really bad. Verse 18. It says, The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. I don't know about you, I'm not a sailor, but you start throwing our stuff overboard and you start throwing our gear overboard, I say these two words, uh-oh. Didn't we bring that stuff because we needed it? And you're throwing it over? You can see how desperate they are in this moment to fix it, to help it, to do something to be of help. Verse 20. A terrible storm raged for many days. And as you continue reading, probably about a couple of weeks is what it lasted. A couple of weeks. I went out on the Pacific Ocean with my brother-in-law one time um, salmon fishing. And, like, um, we, went out on the, we went out on the boat. I didn't do any fishing. I got really, really sick, bad. And we were out there, I don't know, all day. And I was like, God, just kill me now. I'm saved. I know I will meet you. Like, just let me die. I'm not. It was the worst day of my life. Worst day of my life. We finally saw shore, and I'm like, just, I'll swim from here, right? It was just, oh, it was terrible. Can you imagine two weeks, two weeks, them throwing the cargo overboard? I don't know what they were eating at this point, but they'd thrown a lot of it overboard, right? The gear, it's gone. Anyway, it says it went on many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until it last all hope was gone. You ever been there? Just no light. No hope. Everything around you is chaos. It's out of control. The only thing that you're thinking right now is we're going down. It's over. No sun, no stars, no flashlights, no nightlights. Some of you may have thought that praying for daylight was just a fun country song. You think they weren't praying for it? As you continue to read the story, these guys, these old sailors who wouldn't even say they believed in God, they literally were praying for daylight. We just want to see a star. We just want to see the sun. Look now verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Sometimes it's hard being right, isn't it? 
Sometimes it's just it's it's tough. He goes on. He says, "You would have avoided all this damage and loss." Does that sound like parenting to you? That sounds like parenting, doesn't it? I think it sounds like God talking to us a lot of times. We all grown up and got it figured out, right? Verse twenty-two. Take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. All right, we're going to be saved. Wait a minute. What'd you say? What was that last part? We're going to be okay. Even though the ship will go down, verse 23, this is incredible portion of this story. Paul says, for last night an angel of the Lord, a messenger of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. I don't want you to miss this moment because if you're in a chaos of life and you're in a season of just trouble and the winds are howling around you and the waves are coming over the edge, this is what you've got to get. You've got to know who you belong to. You've got to know who you serve and you've got to know where he is. And Paul said, I know who I belong to. His name is God Almighty and I serve him and he is with me. Here's what the deal is we got to get. If you're in a storm right now and you belong to God and you serve him, he is with you even in the midst of the storm. He never promised that there would be no storms. He never promised there would be no shipwrecks. He never promised that there would be no problems in your life. He said, I will be there with you though. And in all of that chaos, God says, I'm going to be faithful. Faithful. But sometimes faithfulness doesn't look like what we thought it would look like, does it? I mean, our, our idea of God being faithful is God doing what we need him to do when we need him to do it so that everything turns out the way we want it to turn out. But I'll tell you right now, some of the people I've been talking to lately that will tell you the loudest and the boldest about the faithfulness of God are people who are enduring one of two things right now, okay? Sickness, and then I'll just title this other one very generically. I'll say stuff, Some of the people right now that I know that would just say, let me tell you how faithful God is, are people that are going through terrible sickness right now. And they're going through terrible stuff right now. Now, is it because God is being more faithful to them than he is to the rest of us who don't have maybe sickness or stuff going on? Or is it, how does that work? I would just tell you that their sickness and their stuff is causing them to be much more aware of the faithfulness of God. Some of us right now, God is being faithful to us in this good season of life, and we think that it's because we are doing it all, and we're keeping it all together, and we only need God when things go bad. I'm here to tell you, if you're in a season right now where things are going good, use it, proclaim the faithfulness of God, and serve him faithfully, and do everything you possibly can do. Because I'm here to tell you, if you live any longer, problem, stuff, sickness will arise. Can I get an amen from a few people in the room? Yeah. And Paul's like, man, this is tough right now, but I'm okay. We're not okay in this situation, but I'm okay because I know who I belong to, I know who I serve, and I know who stands beside me. All their hope was lost, and yet there was Paul with hope. He knew God and his faithfulness. And I just want to say to the people in the room that are going through sickness and going through stuff, who are aware of God's faithfulness and you're proclaiming God's faithfulness, what an encouragement and blessing you are to the rest of us who are coming alongside you and praying for you and loving on you. And we don't know what God's faithfulness is going to bring about in your life, but we believe that he is faithful even in the midst of your circumstances right now. We believe that. We believe that. Again, 
We don't know what his faithfulness always looks like, except for God is always there, and he's got a good plan. Look now to verse number 24. Paul goes on, speaks to the group, and he said, don't be afraid. Excuse me, God spoke to him. Excuse me, God, the messenger of God spoke to him. Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. That's a word of encouragement, right? Like, I'm going to get to stand trial. Do you realize what God was saying in that moment? You're not going to be forever on this boat. You're going to get to where you're supposed to go. You're going to land in Rome. You're going to get there. Like, when's the last time you thought standing trial was good news? Paul's like, thank you, Jesus. Seriously, he was. Like, he probably said that out loud. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Verse 25, so take courage, for I believe God, Paul says. He tells them all that that God told him. He's like, take courage, for I believe God. And this is cool. It will be just as he said. It will be just as he said. This means it's going to be easy, right? Verse 26. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Sometimes God's faithfulness doesn't always appear to be bringing good stuff into your life. Sometimes God wants to show you his faithfulness so vividly that he allows you and I to go through really hard stuff so we can see him and his faithfulness. Sometimes um, God's faithfulness doesn't look like we thought it would look. Sometimes God's rescue doesn't look like it would look. Maybe right now um, you're um, in sin. And you're stuck there, and you're like, I'd like to be out of this. I'd like to be out of this mess that I've created for myself. And maybe you've got an addiction going on, and you're just underneath the weight of all of that. God wants to bring you out. He wants to forgive you. He can bring you out. He can forgive you. But that rescue and that redemption is not necessarily going to be an easy process. But it's where you need to be in the midst of God's faithfulness as you allow him to work in your life. His faithfulness sometimes doesn't look like we think it ought to look. And I would also say his timing, at least in our moment and our view, never seems like it's right. God, couldn't you have come through yesterday? How about the day before? How about right now? And God audaciously sometimes says, wait, wait. Again, no one should ever say following Jesus is easy. Let me pause here in the reading and just kind of give you a little bit more synopsis of the story. They eventually do shipwreck. Um, they eventually swim and or float to shore, all 276 of them. One of the first things they see when they get to shore is a campfire. Can you imagine weeks of cold and wet and nasty? Can you imagine what it must have been like just to see that campfire on the shore? Oh. They run, get around that fire, and something crazy happens. Something I don't like reading about. If you know me, this part of the story I don't like. A snake. Why do snakes always have to show up in the Bible? A snake. I hate snakes. Slithers in there, and it's a deadly snake, and it bites Paul. And Paul just shakes it off and keeps on going, and everybody stands around waiting on him to die. I mean, like, really, like he's going to drop dead any moment. This guy's a goner. The people on the island were like, hey, we saw you come in from the shipwreck. 
You survived that, but snake bit you. You must be one evil dude. You are not getting off. You survived that, but oh, you're gone. You're gone. Shakes it off and he survives. The people are like, hey, this dude must be a god. They start bowing down. Paul's a god. Paul's a god. Paul's a god. What do you think Paul did in that moment? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. No. He did what he always did. He took the opportunity to point everything to who? To the true and living God. Heavy on the living, right? He got to talk about the death of Jesus. He got to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. He got to point these people to Jesus. He got to heal some other people. God used him greatly on this island while they were there a few months, I think like three months, while they waited for winter to pass. As a result of all the love and care that Paul gave them, they brought them provisions that they needed. God supplied their needs. Are you seeing the faithfulness of God right here? He supplied all their needs. Now drop down. Verse 23 in chapter 28, four months after they began their journey, four months after their journey began to Rome, years that Paul had waited to go to Rome. Look what it says in verse 23. So a time was set, like it was on the calendar, like It was going to happen. Everything that he had been waiting on, which was to gather with other people in Rome, to share with them the gospel, it was going to happen. Interesting to know that the book of Romans, one of the most incredible pieces of literature ever written of any shape, form, or fashion, which is one of the books of the Bible that precedes the book of Acts in uh, your, your, your copy there. The book of Romans was written to the believers in Rome before, about three years before Paul ever went there. There were already believers in Rome. The gospel had spread there already. He had written them this literary masterpiece, which we know as the word of God. But now the time was come, this moment that he had been waiting on, been anticipating it, right? Everything was coming to fruition, So the time was set. Finally, the waiting was over. And it says, on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging there in Rome. He explained and testified about, here it is, the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Paul did what Paul does. He pointed to a faithful God. He said, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about his kingdom. Let me tell you about his son. This is what you need to know about. Did Paul have some really cool stories he could have told that were, you know, interesting? And absolutely. But he said, I want to get down to it. I want to tell you why I came here. I want to tell you about God and his kingdom. And I want to tell you about his son, whose name is Jesus. He talked about the hope. He talked about the hope. The hope of Israel, the Messiah. Here's what I want you to get. Our king is faithful. Let's talk faithfully, share faithfully our king. Our king is faithful. Let's faithfully share our king. I'll repeat it. Our king is faithful. Let's faithfully share our king. Why does Paul show up and just keep doing what he's been doing? Because God's faithful. Why did he end up in Rome? Because God's faithful. Why has Paul's life been forever changed and going to get to spend eternity in heaven? Because God is faithful. He's like, let me tell you about my king. He is faithful to me. 
I've got to share him with you. You've got to hear about what his son has done for you. You've got to hear how his son left heaven, lived here on this earth amongst people like you and I, evil people, sinful people, lived perfectly. They put him on a cross, accused him of crimes he wasn't guilty of, put him on a cross. He was innocent. He bled there. He suffered there. He died there. And he came back from the dead. He's alive. You've got to, this is the hope you've been waiting on. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the rescuer that he has promised. Our king is faithful. Let's faithfully share our king. i got a question for you to wrestle with this morning, and that is this. What has God told you that he would do, but you've given up on him? What promise has God given you? What has he spoken into you and over you that he would do? But it hasn't happened yet. You've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting to the point that you've said, you know what, I don't think he's going to do it, so I'm going to quit. I'm stopping. I'm out. I'm finished. I'm done. It's over. Hope is lost. Now, I want to qualify this, okay? I didn't say, what has God not done for you that you think he told you. You with me? Some of you maybe are waiting on God to do something that you told him to do. He's not required to do that. But here's what he is required to do. He's required to do because he is a God of promise. He is a God of truth. He is a God of faithfulness. He's required by his very own nature to do for you what he has told you he would do. Well, how do I know what God tells me what to do? Let me tell you one sure fire way that you can know what God has told you to do. Open this book up right here, whatever copy you've got, even if it's on a screen, and read the word of God and read the promises of God to his people. And when you hear God speak to his people, he's speaking to you if you're a believer, and if he has promised it, he will do it. What has God told you that he would do, but you've given up on him? You've given up on him. Look down now to Acts chapter 28, verse 30. End of, the, end of the whole deal here. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him. He was under house arrest, by the way. That's part of the story. Verse 31. Here's what he did. Boldly proclaiming, what? The kingdom of God. And teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. The end. It's kind of a weird ending, isn't it? Um, don't you love it when you watch a movie and this comes on the screen? It's coming. It's the next screen. Oh, there it is. Oh! My favorite is when it's like a TV show, you know, and it ends the year, right? And you got to wait the whole, like, off season for it to come back on. To be continued. You see, the reason why it ends kind of weird is because this book of Acts is not an autobiography of Paul. It is a story of the faithfulness of God in and through his church, which, listen up, continues to this day. The book may have ended, but the story hasn't. God is still writing his story of his faithfulness and of his goodness and of his redemption and his rescue through you and I. It's us today. 
God's work, God's gospel, God's church, God's kingdom, and God's faithfulness. Our king is faithful. So let us faithfully share our king. Let me tell you one thing he has definitely said that I want you to take note of, and it's just going back to the beginning of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. If you want to turn there, great, it's going to be on the screen. Don't want you to miss where this all began and tie all this together. When we talk about the faithfulness of God and what he has said and us not giving up on him, Acts chapter 1 verse number 8, the words of Jesus just before he left this earth to go back to heaven. He says to his church, he says to his followers, he says to his believers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is a promise of God. Some of you right now are not experiencing and seeing the faithfulness of God in your life because you are not participating in the things that he wants you to participate in. You see, the faithfulness of God, when it's noticed and believed fully, moves us to obedience. It doesn't necessarily make our situation better, which is what we all want, right? I want my situation to be better. God's faithfulness is about producing obedience in us, which in turn lets everybody else know about his faithfulness, which in turn lets everybody know about his son whose name is Jesus, who died for them, who was buried and who came back from the dead. It's about what is next. There's another life coming. It's called eternity, and we want everybody to be there. So if I'm going to help people be there, I'm going to see the faithfulness of God in my life. I'm going to be faithful to share that with others. I'm going to participate in what he has called me to do, which is making his name known so that others can experience it too. So right now, if you're like, I don't know if God's faithful or not. Are you participating in the things he has told you to participate in? Are you being obedient as a result of believing in his faithfulness? Or are you just sitting around twisting your thumbs, twiddling your thumbs and thinking, well, I hope this works out the way I want it to work out. And if it does, then God's faithful and then I'll do something for him. He's not about making your situation better. He's about moving you towards obedience. Now, can he make your situation better? Absolutely. If you're sick, can God heal you? Yep. I believe with all my heart he can. If your situation is messed up, can he straighten it out? Absolutely. I believe that he can. But he is much concerned this morning about us seeing his faithfulness in the midst of our chaos and obeying him so that others can see his faithfulness. This book of Acts It's about the faithfulness of God, and that faithfulness of God continues to this day. May we see it, may we know it, may we proclaim it. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Um, Maybe you're like, I got some stuff going on. Um, I got some sickness going on, and I'm challenged right now, and things are chaotic right now, and um, I need to experience the faithfulness of God right now. I need to experience his presence. I need to know I belong to him. I need to know that I'm serving him. I need to know that he is with me. Will the storm end today? I don't know. Will the ship go down or will it sail on? I don't know, but you want to be in the presence of God because he's faithful and he's going to take you where he needs you to go. He's going to get you where you need to get. He's going to bring about in you what he wants to bring about, which is ultimately good, whether we see it now or not. Well, I want it now. Well, I don't know when now is, but I know now, this moment, is a time for us to trust God. And again, I just want to say to you in this room that you're going through stuff and you're going through sickness right now. We have seen your faith in the faithfulness of God. 
You have encouraged us and blessed us. And we pray for God to continue to give you faith in his faithfulness because he is steady and he is sure. Maybe you're just entering into a season. You're like, I don't know which way this is going to go. And you're trying to decide whether you're going to trust God or go your own direction right now. Trust God. Maybe you need to experience the faithfulness of God in salvation this morning. Maybe you've never believed in him, receiving him as your Lord and your Savior this morning. Man, you could be saved. Your life can be changed. So believers, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to God this morning. If you're not a believer yet, you can become a believer this morning. You can respond to God. We're going to have an opportunity to worship him this morning and lift his name up again. We're going to have an opportunity to give this morning. And thank you so much for your generosity. Um, As we stand in a few moments and the song's played, you can respond to God. You can respond in giving. Just respond in faithfulness to his faithfulness and allow him to work in you and through you. Once again, if it's your first time here today, it's such a joy to have you. Drop that communication card in the bucket when it passes in just a few moments. I want to pray, and then we're going to stand. Father, we bow before you. We thank you for your word, which is true. God, you are faithful. A lot of people in this room that probably should have been talking this morning rather than me. And God, I've experienced your faithfulness in my life. But there's a lot of people that are going through some stuff right now, and um, they're trusting you. They're leaning in all the way. Even if it means shipwreck, they're believing that you're with them and you've got a good plan for them. And so, Father, I pray for those people right now that are dealing with sickness, dealing with stuff, chaos of this life. God, I pray that they just be able to be encouraged this morning, be emboldened this morning to share your faithfulness with others. Father, for those of us right now where maybe we're just in a good season, things are going well. Life's good, family's good, kids are good, money's good, things are good. Help us to recognize that's because of your faithfulness. Help us to share your love and your truth with others. Father, if there's someone here today that's never placed their faith, their trust in you, believing that they need you because of their sin, believing that Jesus is the only way to heaven, we pray that today would be that day and they'd be saved. Thank you. Move my It's In Jesus' name we pray.